This is On The Tee Golf New Zealand Podcast, hosted by Tom Hyde and Brendan Telfer. Proudly presented by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Voice Media. Hello again and welcome along to On The Tee, the podcast that talks golf and only golf. I'm Brendan Telfer, along with my co-host Tom Hyde, and we come to you in association with JK's World of Golf, your one-stop golf shop open 24-7 out there at the Auckland International Airport in Nixon Road at Auckland International Airport. Check out the great deals at jksworldofgolf.co.nz and also coming to you today courtesy of the Akarana Golf Club. Check them out also for some very good online greenfield deals at Akarana golf.co.nz Today, our aim is very simple. We're going to try and help you improve your golf game. And our guest today is one of the country's leading teaching pros and has been for many years. Or should I say he was because he's largely retired these days. Bob McDonald. And John Lister tells me he still is the best teaching pro around. So, Bob, a very good afternoon and welcome to you, to our podcast. And thank you for your time. I know you're in your late 70s, so under Understandably, I guess you're not working full time, um, but I think you're still dishing out advice to quite a few people on the golf course these days. Oh, now and then, um, there's uh, a few pros still ring me from time to time, and I just answer questions mainly. Um, I uh, I still uh, coach uh, Philip Mosley from time to time, who's uh, to me a, a miracle. He's a uh, now 67 years of age and beats his age nearly every time he plays. Wow. He's, he's still on a plus two handicap and uh, a wonderful ball striker, a very athletic guy. That's the secret to beating your age, I think, is how fit you are more more, more than anything else. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. it's, uh, the, yeah, well, uh, the guys I know that beat their age regularly – uh, are very fit-looking guys there and good neck. You've been teaching golf, for, I seem to recall, for the best part of at least 50 years. Uh, has your teaching philosophy changed much, if at all, over those five decades? Uh, like anything, I think the way we go about the task is sometimes a bit different, but uh, the cornerstone of what what I teach is pretty much the same as I was introduced to as a teenager. I grew up in a golfing family. My dad played for New Zealand and was a very fine amateur player. And then I was involved with Terry Brady, a fantastic teacher that was from Australia but lived here. And he got me involved in pro golf. He got me my first apprentice job. And my boss was a PGA champion and uh, a winner on the European tour, as well as a pretty good teacher. So I had a background back then, and I was given Ben Hogan's uh, book when it was brand new. In 1957, my 15th birthday, I got it, and I still look at it from time to time. I still bring it out. It was way ahead of its time, and I think it's probably the most – uh, used golf book ever written, to be honest. Uh, Bob, is Everyone, that the- every, every pro I've spoken to ever has said they've read a Ben Hogan's book. Is that the five fundamentals? Yeah, yeah. But there was one before it that's good as well. They, they are a little different, uh, but uh, Power Golf was his first one. 
And I think all his writings are... I think he was ahead of his time, mm. but but uh, it's not the only source of information. Of course, there's, there's been tons of other stuff. I got involved in um, Homer Kelly's work called The Golfing Machine, and I earned a master's degree in it. I think I've forgotten most of it now. It's 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 uh, physics and geometry uh, and stuff that brings out the truth in it, if you like, but. Uh, Today, there's a lot of science in the game, but to me, science is not necessarily truth. Science is all, is theory, and some of it can be proved and some of it can't be. So nothing's changed in a great deal. What about there's the modern, modern gadgets and stuff? Yeah, well, I was going to say, what about the, the role that technology plays now in golf? I mean, I guess you can look at someone like uh, Bryson DeChambeau as the obvious example, or the worst example, some might say, where he's, yeah. he's departed from the conventional kind of mechanics of the uh, textbook swing but smashes the ball 350 yards. So has technology made the game easier for us but harder for you to teach? No, no, not at all. I don't think it's changed anything. It's uh, There's always been people uh, of that ilk. Uh, he's probably the most uh, famous player to, to have gone taken that route but uh, we've always had the mad scientists and the and then there's the people with the opposite view too if you talk science to Peter Thompson he'd have rushed out of the room he didn't want to know and he'd stand up and beat the whole world in his time so you know, it's 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 different strokes for different folks. But, but, I mean, but Peter, but I, I think but Peter it, performed. You know, I, I think of myself as, as an ordinary club hacker. Uh, yeah, very very true. Very, very true. true. Yeah. Now in my eighth decade, um, and I couldn't play golf if it wasn't for technology, for the introduction of hybrid clubs. Um, you know, these uh, ultra light shafts and. and oh, drive. you mean in that regard, in the yeah. terms of the gear? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of those are old ideas regurgitated. The uh, hybrid wood, for instance, which we call hybrid wood, it's a, uh, I believe it was called a clique back in the hickory shafted days. Uh, a lot of them are old ideas brought back. I first saw the metal wood when I was uh, a young pro working in Sydney at PGF. I worked there part-time, and the boss, the owner of PGF, Claire Hickson, brought back the heads from America and got me to shaft them up for him, and they tested them, and Terry Candle got one and kept it, and he said, we're not going to run with it, it's a bit suspect. It came out five years later, or a bit more than that, as tailor-made, and the uh, uh, owner of tailor-made was a guy, Barney, Adams, I think his name was, uh, or Gary Adams, his father was Barney, one or the other. He ended up buying the uh, rights to it. Uh, he worked for Arnold Palmer's company, and Arnie didn't want to run with it, so he said, we'll do it ourselves. And they called the company Taylor Made, and, well, everyone's the heard of it now. The rest is yeah. history. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they introduced the metal wood, Gary Adams, and, and Barney, yeah, of well, course. Yeah, that was it, yeah. Yeah, Barney yeah. started Adams Golf, uh, but uh, yeah. Taylor Made introduced the metal woods. And I, I'm, with all of I, I get that uh, – 
Bob as yeah, well. well I saw well, that wood long before they did. Yeah, That's I'm sure. I'm it had yeah. been around. Yeah, yeah. and um, PGF had it, but didn't uh, didn't sell it. Yeah. yeah, and then finally it was Ellie Calloway who picked up with the titanium and then turned oh, it into yeah, a gold mine. Oh, yeah, that was mine. quite a bit later. Yeah, but, yeah. But let me ask you, Bob, yeah. if you take the science out of it, whatever that may mean, what then are you teaching and what are you telling students? If it's not scientific, to me it's kind of the art of the swing or a mental attitude. What, what are you teaching if you're not teaching oh, science? Of course, of course there is a science to it. There's a science to everything. But uh, what, for instance, the grip they've taught, they teach today, is still the same one as Harry Varden t- mm-hmm. taught 100 yeah. plus years ago. We still teach that. The, the stance and posture, uh, that hasn't changed. Um it's really, it's really all the same. You've got two arms and two legs. Um, the human being's the same being, the same person. Um, you know, we walk the same, we run the same. Uh, the average club golfer who most is mostly who we teach is not a super athlete. They're not, they're not the next British Open champion. They're recreational players like they always have been. And so, you know, in terms of technique, nothing's really changed much at all. Well, if uh, one of our listeners wanted to lower their handicap, for instance, and say they're playing on an 18 and they wanted to get down to a 12 or a 10, where would you mm. start? Where would I start? Well, I'd have to see the individual person. Fair enough, yeah. But I would check that their basics were, were good, and that's all. And I would tell them what we've told them for 100 years. You've got to get out and practice. Practice, practice, <laughs> practice. Of course. Yeah, yeah. but, but uh, of course, uh, well, well, you'll, learn, you'll learn faster. You'll learn faster if you start with a short shot and bra- graduate slowly to a bigger shot. Mm-hmm. In other words, impact on a chip is going to be the same as an impact on a drive, but you start with an easy task before you do a difficult task. But most most people short, try to short-circuit it, and they don't learn at all. They just so want to go, go out there and bash. Yeah. 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 So on and that- and they, they, they want the secret. They're looking, oh, there must be a secret to this. <laughs> but there isn't. Um, <laughs> you know, okay, well then, uh, I'm asking a lot of very simple questions here, but uh, I, I think they resonate with me, and I, I guess with most uh, club golfers as well. Why do most people, when they play golf, Bob, slice the ball? Well, it seems innate that uh, they pick the club up and want to swing it up in the air. They, 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 you've got a, a ball down on the ground, and so they take hold of a, an implement to strike it forward, but they swing it back up in the air way above its uh, natural plane that it sits in. If you can picture that, I, I haven't got drawings or anything I can give you right now, but a golf club, when it's set behind the ball, sits at a given angle. Um, when you play baseball, that angle's horizontal, we'll, we'll call it out in front of you at waist high. But with a ball on the ground, it's at an angle. So let's say baseball's played on a tabletop. Uh, Another game would be uh, uh, croquet. Let's say croquet, that's played with a vertical hammer, you know, straight up and down. Well, the golf club's on an incline, played like a roof of a house. And the gutter 
is the is the target line. So can you picture that? Yeah. And so it's so it should swing on that angle, but most people take it straight off the roof up into a steep angle, and then when they bring it down, they cut. They would break through the roof to the other side of it and be across across that target line. Right. And you get a two way miss if the face angle is square to that path, the ball will go straight left. And that's what happens with better players when they swing too steep. But to the average player, their brain is to try and square the, the face up uh, to the target to make the ball go straight, but it's way open to that path. Are you with me? Yeah, for it, sure. It, yeah. yeah and sense. so it seems in- instinctive. So I, I would say your best formula, if I want to over oversimplify it, is stand up and make baseball swings out in front of you, around to your right shoulder, round again to the left shoulder, and make a circular motion. And then you bend that over to the ground, and you pretty well got it. It's, it's baseball bent over. Or uh, one of the good training drills we used to do uh, for the juniors was was play t ball, and uh, you, instead of hitting it with a bat, though we hit it with a golf club off a very high tee, and and make it circular. And so if you make it circular, you're giving yourself a chance. Does it follow, Bob, and this is where someone must have taught me this when I was young, that the bigger the shoulder turn you make, the less chance you've got of cutting the ball? Um, Not necessarily because it's the direction of the shoulder turn. But if the shoulder's uh, 90 degrees to the spine, you're on the right angle. But there's a difference. Most people who try to turn big actually tilt. They don't turn. They tilt. They drop. And there's a, there's a big difference. Their, they drop their right shoulder as it goes back. Mm. Yeah. 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 They drop the left one down yeah. and the shoulders, now the spine tips oh, the forward. One, yeah. It's called a reverse pivot, they call it. But uh, you want your shoulder turn or your upper body turn at 90 degrees to your spine. Uh, your spine will be tilted slightly. There's two two tilts when you set up to the ball. You've got a forward tilt enabled to get the club down to the ground. Mm-hmm. There's a forward tilt. Then there's a side tilt where the, where the right hand has to go below the left hand, makes the right shoulder lower than the left somewhat. And so you've got the two tilts. You must remain in that tilt as well. And, and so your spine has got a slight tilt to the right, but the shoulder turn will remain at 90 degrees to that spine angle. Are you with me there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I can see it. Yeah, but it's, yeah. uh, it's it's very easy to understand listening to you talk to it. But when I go to my club this afternoon and I stand on the first tee, um, all that just goes out the window. You know, I, I, I guess... Well, ju- well, well, in a way, in a way, so it should. You, you've got to have it in such habit, habit such that you don't have to think about it when you go to the first yeah. tee. If you're going to the first tee thinking about anything, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> oh, okay. Because, yeah, that, because I, you're yeah. Try, you're not 
doing it, you're trying to do it. And there's a difference between doing it and trying to do it. Absolutely. But if, well you said. Made a, if you did a ton of practice swings with no ball at home, for instance, you'd be doing yourself more good than walking down the range, hitting balls and doing it wrong and just hoping that it improves. If you stand in front of a mirror and do it, that's far better practice than actually hitting balls and then hit short shots to get a square face at impact. So the, the number one thing in, 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 in hitting, we talk about coming across the ball, it's less of a problem than a square faces. You, 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 there are some really good players who come across the ball, sm small amount, but the club face is number one. The ball, the ball responds. It's mostly to the to the. Uh, we had a great putter years ago named Billy Mayfair. Who do you remember him? Sure, Billy, he was uh, unorthodox, uh, actually. Well, he had, his, his he putted, and his putter went outside on the way back and inside on the way through, and the ball went straight in the hole. It's because his face was square when it hit the ball. Mm. The face has more influence mm. over the over it than the path does. However, the path might influence what the face does. So your main thing is to hit it square, and when you get under the gun and you've got a few holes to finish, make sure you hit it square. Just hit it the back of the ball as square as you can with the club face, and don't worry so much about the, the, the direction of the swing. Because you know, you, you, the straighter you try to swing, the worse you'll hit it. Uh, you know, um, Bob, you mentioned putting and the way, and I, and uh, years ago, working in a golf shop in the U.S., we sold a book by Dave Peltz, and Dave mm -hmm. Peltz on putting, you certainly know the name, the book was about 800 pages long, I mean, and, and it was all complicated <laughs> diagrams and things, you know, I mean, it was, ex yeah, I'm not surprised you, because we laughed at it as well, and I'm just wondering, sort of, that could be kind of your example of the science of putting, but when it mm. comes to, to you teaching somebody to improve their putting, where do you begin? Well, I usually get them to just uh, get set up correctly first, put the heel of the putter against a, a, a length of four by two. Okay, yeah. And just mm. run it along that, uh, keeping it rubbing the heel. Mm -hmm. All right? So, then again, it's straight back, through. straight forward. Well, it's it's it actually on the heel. It's not a straight line. It will still work up and down the board mm. in a in a mm. slightly curved manner. If you put the toe against the board, then it's dead straight. So that's not really what we want. Oh, we, I see. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. will work as well. But but uh, you put the heel against the board, and you can grip how you want, stand how you want, put your eyes over over pretty much over the ball or a little inside it, and just rub that thing along the board. And then the number one thing to learn is how hard, how soft to hit the ball. So that takes practice, and that's by how, how long you make your stroke or how short you make your stroke. You know, not, not actually softer and harder, but right, the length. Right. Yeah, one inch back, one inch through will hit it a good six feet, won't it? You right. Know? Yeah. Well, when when players call you for a, a tip or a, a, a lesson, maybe just as we're talking over the phone, what is the most common uh, correction that they ask you to help them make? Um, 
Oh, that's a difficult one because it's, it's quite a lot, quite quite a, a it lot. It could of be anything. Ones, that, how, how do I yeah. stop free putting? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, learn the speed of the putt, the speed, speed of the ball, the pace, mm. putting pace, putting's putting's pace. But everyone's obsessed with how straight to hit the putt, and if it's at the wrong speed, you're going to three putt. And Tiger Woods's father had a good saying. He said, "There's no such thing as a three putt green, only a bad first putt." <laughs> yeah, um, true. What about tempo, Bob? Can we just talk about tempo for a moment? I mean, uh, I'm of the school and I've been, I guess, shunted into this school because of the lightness of these modern-day golf clubs. And um, Mm. I keep telling people, including my wife who's a newcomer to golf, you don't have to swing the club hard anymore because the titanium head and the light shaft will do all the work. You've just got to get the right tempo. And I do find, and I'm surprised at times sometimes, how well I can hit the ball when I don't swing. Hard. Mm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it, it, it's a bit of an illusion, though. The further you want the ball to go, the faster you better be swinging. Yeah. So I, I, I never tell. I can't remember ever telling someone to slow their swing down. Oh, okay. I don't. I'm, I'm, I spend more time telling to get them to speed it up. However, hitting the ball hard is a very bad thought, and that that'll uh, make it grip too tight for starters, and 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 use excessive force. But you can have a uh, cracking a whip is clubhead speed. If you can get some speed in your swing, tempo is. We've got. Ernie Els, does he swing what appears to be slow or fast? Slow, doesn't it? It appears that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, what you'll see is he's got what I'd call a slow tempo because he's a big man and his arc and his size of his – and if you watch him walk, it's the same as he's got the big, long, leisurely stride. Now, what about Ian Woosnam, who is a wonderful player? He's quick. he's a little tiny guy. He's, and, and yeah, quick. he's quick. He, yeah, but he still has tempo. That's like music. What and you're te- really te- looking at is rhythm. And Ted rhythm. and Ted Ball. <laughs> yeah, Ted was a good mate of mine. <laughs> yeah. Ted Ted could catch flies out of the air. <laughs> he was brilliant. He could catch a fly out with his hand. He was fantastic. Yeah, and. Uh, and and it, when someone told him to slow down once, he said, "That is me going slow." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a character, eh? Mm, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's a difference. But tempo is 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 is, is more you're after uh, rhythm, rhythm, and 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 rhythm. You have that when you walk. Your rhythm and your natural walking pace is a good idea to use for your tempo when you're going right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, and so you swing to the right, you swing to the left, <laughs> and 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 I think when you're in real good rhythm, the swing speed feels the same going both ways. There's mm. no sudden jolt in it, no mm. sudden, um, and well- that. That becomes a swing. Look at the garden swing or the playground swing. There's no sudden time when it hits. It's just gathering momentum, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Okay, Bob, just before we go, um, tell me the, the golfers, give me a few golfers who you like to watch because you are so enamoured of their swing, male or female. 
Okay. Well, I love Lydia's, and it's getting better all the time. Mm. Um, I, 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 George Newton is the best I've ever seen. Wow. And I, Canadian. And I did see yeah. – yeah. 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 And I had the good fortune of uh, spending a fortnight with George before <laughs> – a few years before he died, he died very young uh, with lung cancer. But man, he, he he was an artist, and to watch him hit golf balls was just a pure joy, pure delight. What about the uh, likes of uh, say Sam Snead? I saw yeah, and Sam. enjoyed that. Yeah, but Tomo Tomo was pretty good. Of the current bunch, what about Rory McIlroy? Um, yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, you know, I think I think he was better a few years ago. To be honest, I think the bash has come in a wee bit. Well, Johnny Miller once said of Rory that uh, before he retired a couple of years ago as a commentator, um, he's never won a major championship since he went to the gym, started going to the gym. Yeah, he could have something there, but uh, I don't know. Johnny's got his own ideas too, so. Mm. No one knows. Michael Campbell? No knows. But, but he, Michael Campbell? Yeah, M- Michael's has got a bit short and tight, but uh, in his, at his best, I thought it was, it was pretty good, yeah. Yeah, he, he had a lovely naturalness about him. Mm. Yep. But uh, George was fantastic. I, 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 I've never seen anyone even close, you know. Bob, before we go, uh, if somebody wants to uh, take a lesson, are you are you up at Golf Harbor Country Club? Yeah, yeah, but I'm that, not, I don't teach anymore. You really. don't? Okay, all right. Not really. No, I'm not taking on any new people. I'm, uh, you know, quite yeah. happy there. Do you play much at all, Bob? Uh, John and I go out once a week. Or it's John so. Lister. Mm. Yeah, he plays on Fridays with. Uh, uh, Peter Peter Hay McKenzie and uh, Gary uh, Parkinson and um, Paul Marnie, they've been doing that for the last 10 years or so. Every Friday they play at Murawai um, and then he'll play with me one of the other days. We play a bit with Murray Deeker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, how's, De- how's his game? Yeah. Oh, mate, he's golf mad. Yeah. He is a he is a golf tragic. He is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good bloke. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Bob, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. I mean, I, I go right back to the days of your father. I can remember him. The guy lived in in the Hutt Valley. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. He had a he had a retail shop in Nine Eye. And yeah, your mum was a great customer of Dad's. And, yeah. And he, and he used to sp- he used to sell golf clubs, and so I had a paper run. And my yeah. father, my father, who grew up uh, on the Miramar Golf Club, got me involved in golf, and he made a putter from um, uh, some bits and pieces he got. He found in my grandmother's shed, and I used to go to your father's retail shop every about well, once a month after I'd accumulated enough money from my paper run and buy another <laughs> club. I started with a three iron, then I got a five iron, <laughs> then I got a seven, and Dad wouldn't let me get a driver until I'd learned to hit the ball with these irons, and then eventually I was able to buy myself a driver. And I used to go to your father, and he was your father was quite terse. I seem to recall with me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just, my memory fading a bit, but um, 
He was, <laughs> he was a character. <laughs> he, 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 I'm sure he gave me some very good advice, but it um, it played a huge part in in my 50 year love affair with golf. For those buying those irons on a Friday night after when the late night shopping came along, I could go and buy myself another golf club from Sid McDonald's Sports Shop at Nine Eye. And so, um, yeah. I've always had a soft spot for the McDonald's and the great contribution they've made to golf in, in Wellington. <laughs> and it's always a pleasure with you talking to you, Bob. On, yeah, thank on, you, Bob. On Thanks, the air, mate. off the yeah. air, and um, let's hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to catch up with you sometime. And Tom, if you're ever out this way, give us a shout. I certainly will, mate. Thank you very much. All right. Okay, okay. B- okay, Bob, thanks for your time. You enjoy the rest of your day. See you, mate. Okay. Bye. Bob McDonald coaching for 55 years in New Zealand and he's probably coached and given advice to every famous golfer that uh, has come out of this country and still going even though he's I think very close to his 80th year that's our podcast for today on the tee we'll be back in a fortnight's time with another guest in the meantime you enjoy your golf and don't forget uh, we come to you courtesy of JK's World of Golf out there at Auckland International Airport and the Akarana Golf Club in Dominion Road just 10 minutes from town and 10 minutes from from the airport. Until we meet again, I'd like to wish you all the best for your golf and hope you can join us in a fortnight's time. You've been listening to On The Tee Golf New Zealand podcast, hosted by Tom Hyde and Brendan Telfer, proudly presented by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Voice Media. You can find us online at podcasts.nz.com.